praises of my King. Sing it with me if you know it. Make it glorious. Make it wonderful.
Spirit, He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. Let's sing together. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Yeah, lift your voice and tell Him. Christian Assembly, welcome, welcome. It's good to be with you. If I have not yet met you, my name is Jill, and I'm one of the community life pastors here, and so great to be with you today. If you are new or visiting, maybe a friend invited you or you found us online, we are so glad that you are here. We have a connection card in your seat backs. You can fill that out as a way of letting us know that you're new and drop that in the offering bags when they come around in just a moment. And one of our pastors would love to follow up with you. We also have a new people's table in the lobby with a free welcome gift. So be sure to stop by and grab your gift on your way out if you are new or visiting with us. And then as always, we want to welcome those who are joining us online. So if you're with us online, welcome, welcome. We'll have a few announcements for us today. First, ladies, our Women's Bible Study kicked off last week, and we have five more weeks to go, and we would love for you to join us. We are studying the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. We meet right here at the church on Tuesday nights and Wednesday mornings. We do have child care available. If you want child care, you do need to register for that on our website. And then we also have groups that meet online as well as groups that meet in leaders' homes on different days and nights of the week all over Los Angeles. So you can get more info about that on our website. We we also have our partnership class coming up starting in February, and whether you are brand new to Christian Assembly or maybe you've been around for decades or 
de- years or even decades, partnership is a great next step towards belonging. So it's a four-week class. It meets on Sunday mornings during the 9 a.m. service, and partnership is a great chance to learn more about who we are as a church, what we believe, and how you can get connected. There's also a great chance to meet some of our pastors, and we have coffee and pastries available. So you can sign up for partnership on our website. We also have a baptism class coming up on January 28th, and so if you have made a decision to give your life to Christ and you've committed your life to him, but you have not yet been baptized as a Christ follower, we want to encourage you to take that next step and get baptized. So our next class is coming up on January 28th. It meets at 1 o'clock on Sunday in room 100, which is directly to my right and through that door and down the hallway, and then our baptism weekend is happening in the weekend of February 17th and 18th. And then finally, we are looking for some men and women who would want to serve on our prayer team as volunteers. And the commitment is that you would serve once a month and you would be available at one weekend service after the service to pray for those who might be in need of prayer. So if you want to learn more or you're interested in volunteering on our prayer team, we would love to invite you to check out our prayer training that is happening on Saturday, January 20th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. So you can check your bulletin for more information on that. Well, now is the time in our service where we get to continue in our worship through the giving of tithes and offerings. In just a moment, we'll pass the offering bags. As always, you can give online through our Christian Assembly LA app or on our website. If you're new or visiting, please feel no obligation to give. And to our Christian Assembly church family, thank you, thank you, thank you for your ongoing giving and generosity. As we prepare our hearts to give, let me remind us what God's word says in Psalm 118, verse 4. We read, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So even as we come to give our tithes and offerings, may we do so with great rejoicing in God, who he is, and all that he has done for us. Would you join me as we pray one more time together? Father God, we do come before you with great rejoicing. Thank you for the joy that we have in you, God. Thank you for all that you have done for us through sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins and through his life and his death and his resurrection, that all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. God, we love you. God, make us a people of joy, make us a people of hope, make us a people of peace, and help us to be generous with all that you have given to us, Lord. So we pray this in your great name, Jesus. Amen. The ushers can come forward. Well, it is great to be with you. If you're a visitor or guest, my name is Tom. What an honor and a privilege to have you here among us. And I mean that sincerely and uh, genuinely. Also, want to welcome those of you who are online. Great to be with you as well. And uh, whether you're catching us here in L.A. or in other states around the world, what an honor to have you um, with us. And, of course, my CA family, great to be with you. Well, I have a number of different updates that I need to let you know about before we jump into the teaching. Uh, First off, I want to let you know that not last Wednesday, but the previous one, uh, Don Pickerel, who's Mark Pickerel's father, went to be with the Lord. And um, he's 95 years old, and uh, he served as the senior pastor of Christian Assembly um, for a couple decades in the 1970s and the 1980s. And even if you never met Don, uh, if you never knew him, you're still benefiting from his work and, and life's effort. In fact, he was part of designing and helping get this building built that you're seated in right now. Whenever the congregation was much smaller, they took a big step to trust that God was going to continue to bring people. About 200 people at the time the congregation was, and they built a sanctuary for 450. And uh, we average 
uh, right around 3,000 people a weekend um, crammed into this place. So it's amazing to see what God has been doing through his life and legacy. I want to encourage you to keep the Pickerel family in your prayers. Also, uh, Christmas, um, I want to give you just a little bit more update. Um, I want to tell you, great job inviting your friends. And if you were one of the friends who came at Christmas and, and you've come back, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, not counting our online um, attendance, we had over 4,000 people in person, which was uh, almost 1,200 more people joined us this Christmas in person compared to the previous Christmas. So about 1,200 more people. So yeah, amazing to see what God's doing. Last week I told you there were 56 commitments to Christ, but I mistakenly admitted the kids. I didn't get the kids report back yet. And so that was 56 just in the adult services. We had another 21 kids and kids church made commitments to Christ for a total of 77 people who made either first time or recommitments to Christ. And so God continues to be at work. And then lastly, men, we had a great men's gathering on Wednesday night. Such a great time. I want to thank all of you who came, who served, who helped make that possible. Um, just shy of 400 men gathered together, and it was a great time together. Well, this week we continue on in our new series that we started last week that we've entitled Miracle Grow, God's Plan to Grow Something Greater and You. And we're looking at how God wants to grow us, that we don't have to just have this desire on our own and go make it happen on our own, but we want to know how God has designed us to grow so that, that we can participate in His way to grow us. The true story, a woman named Callie Wilkes was proud of her little healthy succulent plant. And uh, she had gotten the plant as a gift from a friend, and she put a lot of love into the plant, and she, she washed its leaves, and she knew that you could overwater succulents. She had read that online, so she researched just the right amount of water uh, to, to water the plant. And if one of her uh, family members needed to care for it while she was out of town on business, um, she would leave them written instructions about exactly how she wanted it done. And she would get defensive if people were like, you know, coming and looking at it like, hey, don't mess with it. I'm not usually good with plants, but this one's going well. The plant was doing really well. Its coloring was beautiful. Just overall, it was like the perfect plant. And after two years of caring for the plant, she decided it was time to transplant it into a larger pot. And as part of that process, she was shocked to discover that the plant was plastic. She said in the interview, two years of my life, and it's completely plastic. How did I not know this? And apparently, the plant's inability to suck up any water never clued her in because real succulents don't require a lot of water. And since, she, uh, since that time, she now has replaced the plastic succulent with real ones. And she said when she went to the, the nursery to get the real succulents, she was like, now are these real? I want real succulent. Not, and they were like, why do you keep asking us if they're real succulents? She's like, well, let me just tell you what the last two years of my life has been like taking care of a plastic plant. God has created a design for each one of us to grow and fully become the people that he's created us to be 
And I would say no plastic people allowed, that we have, to, we have to do our part to step into it. So each week during our new Miracle Grow series, we're discovering the core principles from God's Word that God has put into place to help us know and trust how we can do our part to walk in accordance with His design to grow. And we're going to consider that, but before we do, let's pray. So God, we thank You for just the goodness of your word and the goodness to even be gathered together here and now, both online and in person. Lord, we uh, do thank you for the life of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And Lord, how he called us to, to do what you would want us to do, to love one another well, including across different ethnic uh, lines and, and both genders and even across national lines, Lord. Lord, as we come to your word, would you speak to us? Your word is living and active, and your word helps us grow. Lord, we pray that our heart would be good soil to your word, that we wouldn't be cluttered or distracted or shallow. Lord, where our heart might be hardened against you, would you soften our hearts even now? Would you give us an attentive spirit to what you want to say to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. On your way in, hopefully you got a bulletin. If you did, flip it open to the center section. You'll see the teaching notes that are there that you can fill out as we go throughout our time together. You'll also see the scriptures directly from God's Word there. Well, as we said last week when we started the series, one of the main themes of Jesus' teachings is something that he called the kingdom of God. And one of the main ways that Jesus tried to help us understand how the kingdom of God functions and works in our life is through biological metaphors. And so if you would read the teachings of Jesus, you would see that he talks about vines and branches and seeds falling on different types of soils. He talks about yeast growing through a a huge lump of dough. He talks about wheat and weeds growing up together at one point. He talks about a mustard seed and the, the list of biological metaphors could go on. And when Jesus is telling us these parables, he's, he's essentially saying that you can learn something about how God's kingdom comes to function in your life by learning the principles of how God uses biological principles to keep all living things alive. In fact, if you study the field of biology, you probably know this, but if not, there are seven principles or seven marks of something that is indeed living biologically. Whether it's a plant, whether it's an animal, whether it's a human being, if it is living, it has to have all seven of these things. These seven things are the the core things that God has put in place. And we see these both biologically, but they're actually all through Scripture as well, spiritually, to help us grow in Christ. In fact, this series that we're in called Miracle Grow, it really is a series about what theologians call sanctification. That word sanctification, it means it's the process by which God's works uh, to help us be formed and shaped more and more into the image of Christ as we seek to grow in Christ. And so the seven principles, they form an acronym entitled Mrs. Gren. Last week we looked at the first three letters. We looked at movement, respiration, and sensitivity. This week I'm going to give you the final four of the seven principles. And it begins with the letter G, which is just simply growth. God will grow you as you take your next step with Christ. 
one of the questions that I'm often asked as a pastor when I meet with people is they'll essentially say, Tom, like, according to the Bible, whose job is it to grow me up in Christ? Is it, is it God's job to grow me or is it my job to grow me? And for all sorts of reasons, usually for unbalanced theology coupled with issues from their upbringing, we people, we tend to run to equal and opposite heirs. We run to either legalism or fatalism. Legalism sounds like this. Well, it, it's all up to me and to my willpower. And yes, God saved me by faith through Christ, but now it is my duty to do the rest, and i got to make this happen on my own. So i got to pull myself up by my bootstraps, and i got to make myself grow. That's what legalism sounds like, and that's what it feels like. Fatalism sounds like this. Well, it's all up to God. I have no role to play. My part doesn't really matter. If God wants me to grow, I'll grow. If he doesn't want me to grow, I won't. If I stay immature, it's God's fault that I'm immature because I can't really do anything about it anyways because he's the one that gives the growth. So if I'm not growing, it's really, his, it's really his responsibility, not mine. But when you look at the whole counsel of God's word from Genesis to Revelation, God teaches us to not fall into the trap of the opposite and equal extremes of either legalism or fatalism. Think of it this way. Some things are within our control. Like we can make a phone call, we can drive a car, we can run an errand. And there are some things we can do nothing about. Like, for example, the weather. Only God can change the weather. But there is a third category. Think about going to sleep. You can't make yourself go to sleep in the same way that you can make a phone call. But you can get in a dark room, lay down on a soft mattress, turn out the lights, and sleep will eventually come. Does that make sense? Do you, do you see the distinction? This third way of thinking about spiritual growth is exactly how the Bible speaks of it in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It says this, Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So Paul is writing to the, the church in the city of Philippi, and he's writing to Christians, and he's saying, look, God is at work in you to both give you the will and, and the power to work towards his good pleasure, and also you have a responsibility now to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So whose job is it to make me grow? Is it my job or is it God's job? The answer is yes. It's both. Paul writes this to the church in the city of Corinth. He says in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. In other words, our efforts alone are not enough because God gives the growth. But most often God gives the growth in partnership with our intentional efforts. 
Listen to what 1 Peter says. He says it this way in chapter 2, verse 1. Rid yourselves therefore of all malice, of all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure and spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the first half of that, those verses we just read, it's what, what we rid ourselves of. We have an active role. And what what we learn to desire. Why? So that we may grow into salvation. The second half of that passage I just read makes it clear that the entire reason that we would ever want to do any of this is if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So God's goodness makes us want to grow, and also because God is good, He has a design and a plan for us to grow, and He has a role for us to play in it. Every living biological thing on planet Earth whether plant, animal, or human, is growing. If you are not growing in some way, you're dead. And that's true both biologically, but it's also true spiritually. Now, how do you know if you're growing spiritually? Somebody asked me, like, how do I know? Like, what, what would it look like if I were growing spiritually? If I boiled down what it looks like to grow spiritually, if I were to just give you one sentence, here's what I would say. The main evidence that we are growing in Christ is a steadily increasing humble love for God and for other people. It's not necessarily an ecstatic experience. It's not necessarily how strong your New Year's resolutions were. It's whether you are having a steadily increasing Humble love for God and other people. That's, that's how Jesus answered it. In Mark 12, verses 29 to 31, somebody asked, like, what, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, well, Jesus answered, the first is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Let me ask you, what is your next step that God is asking you to take in partnership with his desire to grow you this year in Jesus Christ? For some of you, you might be spiritually unconvinced. And your next step is to, is to say, hey, I need some help finding some, some books or having some conversations to get some questions answered. Others of you, you're already spiritually convinced, but you're stagnant. It's like, okay, I, I'm not really reading the Bible. I'm not really in God's Word. I don't really know how to pray. Nobody's really discipling me. You've got to get into a life group. That might be your next step. Others of you, it might be to begin to serve, to find a way to use your gifts. Whatever it is for you, you need to take your next step to grow. The second principle we see begins with an R, and it stands for reproduction, that God will grow you as you make disciples. One of the signs of all living things biologically is that they have the capacity to reproduce if all the functions are working properly. So plants reproduce themselves and animals and people, and of course not all of them do it the exact same way, but the ability to reproduce is one of the signs of biological life. And that is true also, it's one of the signs of spiritual life too. Jesus, he, he made disciples. One of the first things he did was he started a life group. And then he called his disciples 
to make disciples as well. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and Jesus came to them. This is after Jesus has died and resurrected. And he said to the disciples, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That word translated nations. In Greek, it's, it's ethnos. It's where we get our word ethnicity from. He's, Jesus is saying, listen, this is for everyone, no matter what their ethnicity is. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am always with you to the end of the age. Let me ask you, if you are a Christian, who are you helping to grow in Christ? Can you name a person's name that you are intentionally teaching them what you've learned about following Jesus So you're passing that on to someone else. And also, I'll take it a step further. Who are those that you're discipling? Who are they discipling? Who are your spiritual grandchildren? Someone will come and they'll talk to me about how they feel bored in their faith. And and usually if you feel bored or stagnant in your faith, it's often one of two things. It's either... Uh, most often because of sin in your life, or if it's not because of sin, then it's usually due to you not passing on your faith to someone else. You're not willing to take any risks to do that, and so it becomes boring. In college, I led a small group for a group of guys that, that I knew, and some were just guys from the dorm, some were guys from the rugby team that I played on, and to be honest, uh, you know, I, I, I committed to do this group, and and I kind of regretted it, if I'm honest with you. I was like, you know, I said I was going to do this group, but I got this final coming up, or I'm tired, or I don't, I don't really feel like it. But I knew they were counting on me, and I knew they were going to show up, you know, to my, uh, to my dorm room, and we'd go to the study room. And, and I couldn't show up to them and say, hey, listen, guys, uh, I'm not prepared to help us learn God's Word tonight. And I look back, and what I realize is, that that helped me develop the discipline to not be held prisoner to my circumstances and my feelings all the time. Because I had other people that were counting on me. So I had to grow up. And some of you maybe, if, if you're a parent, if you have become a mom or a dad, maybe you've experienced it. I remember when we had our first child, Caleb, I was like, okay, like game on. I, I, I need to make certain that he can count on me. I need to make certain, like, well, I can't be like, do I feel like praying today? I'm going to pray every single day for my children until either the Lord takes them home or me home. That's, that's what I do. And I was like, it doesn't matter if I feel like it. It doesn't matter if I had a good day or a bad day. None of that matters. What matters is that I'm going to grow up in Christ, and I'm going to do this intentionally. Now, listen, feelings are good. Feelings are from God. God created us to have emotions, but feelings are are also fallen. And they need to be redeemed. And they need to be healed, just like our thoughts and just like everything else in our lives as well. Often when I'm helping a person grow in Christ, there comes a point at which I tell them, your next step is to go gather other people and start teaching them what you've learned about Christ. And then often what people will say is they'll say, well, I don't know that much about Christ. And then I say, well, then you better gather some people who don't know anything about Christ. 
that's, that's what you have to do because you don't know much. Gather the people who know nothing. As the old saying goes, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, right? So, <laughs> and here's my point. The point is you don't have to know everything, but you do have to know something. And that one thing that you know might be the one thing that's going to help someone else take their next step to grow in Christ. If you will start making disciples, I promise you, your own discipleship will begin to grow. They'll ask you questions. You won't have answers for them. You'll have to say, I don't know. That will crush your pride. It'll make you more humble. You'll have to go to other people and say, can you disciple me? Because they're asking me questions I don't know. I think you might know a little bit more about this. I want to learn so I can pass that on. Like that is how it works. You'll begin to pray for them. They'll come to you. Listen, will you pray for me? This is what's going on. And and you can't just say, like, I don't know how to pray, and I'm not going to learn how to pray. It's like, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. Let's pray right now. And I'm going to teach you how to pray. You're going to have to learn and grow. I truly believe that if you look at Scripture, and I've experienced this in my own life many times, that God uses a leader to make a group, but he also uses a group to make a leader both of those things together so if you start a life group God will use you to gather a group to grow in Christ but also God will use that exact same group to help you grow in Christ it it goes both ways in some small way I'd like to think at some point in the last 20 years I've helped a few of you grow in Christ but the reality is is that you all have helped me grow much more in Christ than I've helped any of you. In fact, I've been saying so often, love you, church, I pray for you, and I've had so many of you coming to me saying, hey, we pray for you as well, and I'm aware of that, and I want to thank you. In fact, I think whatever fruitfulness is coming from our church, it's because you pray. Like, if I was the only one praying, we wouldn't be as fruitful as a congregation as we are. And yet, because I know that you're praying too, it's working together. God is at work in each of us together. Part of God's design to grow something greater in you includes you being used by him to make disciples of Jesus and other people's lives who then also make disciples. And I want to tell you, if you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know enough, I, you know, I don't have the old Bible memorized, what I find with most people is that sometimes to grow, you don't need more information, you need more courage. You need the courage to just start. Like, just start. You think about a baby learning to walk. They're not like, I understand everything about walking. They just, they just start. And they learn as they go. The third letter in Mrs. Gren, in, in the Gren part, is an E for excretion. God will, use, uh, God will grow you as you confess and remove unhelpful things in your life. Biologically, all healthy living things have a process by which that they get rid of waste material. And the same is true spiritually. God has designed us spiritually to have processes by which we need to get rid of the things that are harmful to your growth in Christ. For example, confession is a key part of this process. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, 
He who is faithful and just will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But notice here, we don't just confess our sins. We then must remove or get rid of what is stunting our spiritual growth. Back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Rid yourselves therefore of all malice, of all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. God also commands us in Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32, get rid of all bitterness, passion, and anger. I'm going to save that one for the presidential election. We're going to come back to that one in the fall. Somebody make a note. We're coming back to that one. Get rid of all bitterness, passion, and anger. No more shouting or insults. No more harmful feelings of any sort. Instead, be kind and tender-hearted to one another and forgive one another as God has forgiven you through Christ. And notice here, when you get rid of the wrong stuff, it creates the space for the good stuff to take root and grow in your life. So our part, it says, get rid of the bitterness. So you're getting rid of it, but then instead be kind and tender-hearted to one another. So you're removing something, and it's allowing a different attitude, a, a different characteristic to mark your life, kindness and tenderness. It's also worth noting here that, that it doesn't just have to be a sin in order for it to be removed from your life. For example, the spiritual discipline of fasting is when we remove a certain thing from our life for a certain period of time to create space for new growth in our lives. So part of God's design is to grow something greater in you through a regular habit of confessing and repentance and removing the things from your life that are hindering your growth. Last week, I mentioned and showed pictures of our new Black Lab puppy named Callie. And when we got her, she was sick. And we discovered that she had an intestinal parasite. And as long as she had the parasite, she wasn't growing. She wasn't healthy. Didn't matter what food we gave her, what nutrition she was eating. She wasn't picking up weight. She wasn't growing. But when we took her to the vet, she got a shot and it got rid of the parasite. And once the parasite was removed, she started to grow rapidly. Let me ask you, is there anything in your life that is holding back your spiritual growth in Christ? And I want to tell you that in my own life, the number one thing that holds me back from spiritual growth, the number one thing that I need to remove is an excuse. It's not a person. It's an attitude. Often what we need to remove is an excuse. We say things like this, well, I, I don't have time to be in God's Word. My schedule's too busy. When things settle down, I'll pursue spiritual growth. Here's what I've learned. Things never settle down. You're always going to be busy. So if I'm going to grow spiritually, I have to make time even when things are busy. I have to, in a sense, put myself on the hook and stop saying, like, well, I'll, I'll pursue it when I'm not busy. I'm always going to be busy. It's going to be different seasons of life. But I'll tell you, like, I'm... I'm just as busy now that my kids are teenagers as I was when they were young. It's not like when they got older, all of a sudden their schedules and my schedule all of a sudden got free and I just had you know, 24 hours a day to do nothing. The reality is we have to prioritize what matters. 
When it comes to growing, we can either make an excuse or we can make progress, but we can't make both at the same time. And you get to pick. 2024 will be a year of more excuses or greater progress. And you get to pick what it is in your life. But I'll tell you right now, if it's going to be one of progress, you're going to have to be willing to get rid of the excuse that you often tell yourself about why you can't grow this year, about why you'll be able to do it some other time in the future. The fourth and final letter of Mrs. Gren is nutrition. The N is for nutrition. God will grow you as you put God's Word and the right focus into your heart, mind, and soul. Biologically, our nutrition determines a fair bit about our health and our life. Like, for example, I love donuts, but all donuts all the time is going to mean that I'm going to end up with some health problems that I could have avoided if I didn't eat all donuts all the time. In fact, you know, one of my friends who's a fitness coach will tell you that what you eat in the kitchen will determine more about your health than whatever exercise you do in the gym. That, that your nutrition matters even more than just the exercise alone if you want to get in shape. You've got to have both together. So just like our biological nutrition matters for growth and health, so does our spiritual, uh, spiritual nutrition. So let me ask you, what are you eating these days spiritually? What do you linger on? How much time are you spending on things? And are those things the right thing to help you grow spiritually? Jesus told this parable to help us see how the kingdom of God works. Notice again, it's a biological one. Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came <clears throat> again and again. He wanted to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to the gardener, I've waited three years and there hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year, and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. You see, in the parable, the purpose of the tree was to bear fruit and due time. But it wasn't fulfilling its purpose. And the gardener responds by saying, let me, let me give it some special attention and some fertilizer. In other words, he's saying, let me make certain it gets the right nutrition this year. Let, let's see if we make certain it gets the right nutrients going into its roots. Let's see what that does for its overall growth. Let's see what that does for its overall fruitfulness. So what is nutrition that we need to pay special attention to to ensure that we are putting in our heart, mind, and souls. Well, first, nutrition is God's Word. Jesus says this, It is written, people will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you want to have spiritual nutrition in your life, you can't just eat physical bread. You've got to eat God's Word. You've got to consume it. You've got to chew on it. You've got to let it feed your soul. Every day, God has something waiting for you in His Word, the Bible. But you got to do your part. you got to open it up. you got to read it. If you're like, I, I don't know where to begin. It's a big book. You're right. It is. I want to encourage you, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, jump on there. Do the Bible in a year with Nikki Gumbel. That's what I'm doing with my family. You'll read the entire Bible in one year. It's like maybe 
four chapters a day. If that feels like, oh, that's way too much, they have an express version, which is just a few verses a day. But you find a way to be in God's Word every day. God wants to give you wisdom, guidance to instruct you. God wants to calm you down when you start your day, and He wants to cheer you up. But it begins by being in God's Word. You need to make the commitment to be in God's Word. And when you're in God's Word, if no one's ever taught you, like, how do I do this? How do I have a quiet time? How do I spend time with God on my own? Great little acronym is SOAP, S-O-A-P. The first is you read the Scripture. And then you just, O is just make an observation. Like, what, what, what's sticking out to me? Or what, you know, what is my heart drawn towards in the passage I just read? So Scripture, observation, the A is application. How can I apply this in my life? Maybe it's about your attitude. Maybe it's an action you need to do. Maybe it's a, a, a step that you need to take. And then the P is prayer. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And, and you say, God, okay, here's my application. Help me do it. In fact, we're working on, we're, we're going to be announcing it in a couple weeks, but we are working on a Bible study that uh, Mark Gang, who's been a longtime part of our church, is going to be teaching on Monday evenings. And it's going to teach you how to study and dig into God's Word. And so as you hear those announcements in the coming weeks, and that series will be launching, I want to encourage you to jump in and be part of that if that would help you. So nutrition is about God's Word, but it's also about your focus. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. We all know this, but as we start 2024, let me remind you, in life, you will find what you're looking for. So if you look for the worst in others, I guarantee you, you will be able to find the worst in others. If you choose to believe and look for the best, you'll find that too. If you start this year and decide, I'm going to look for a reason to complain, I promise you, you will find a reason to complain. But if you look for a reason to be joyful and to be grateful, you'll find that too. The point isn't that we should close our eyes to pain or suffering or injustice or we should all be naive or plastic people like that succulent in the beginning of the message. That's not the point. We need to see those things and we need to undo those things as much as it's within our power. But we can't let that be the only thing we see because in reality, that's not the only thing that exists. In Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and worthy of praise, think about such things. You get to choose this year what kind of nutrition you will put into your heart and mind and soul and your spiritual life. You get to pick. It's either going to be junk food or healthy food. And when you hear about the parable that Jesus told of the fig tree that has no fruit, we often think like, okay, Jesus, the, the point there is I don't want to be the fig tree that doesn't bear fruit. And, and that is the main point of that parable. But there's another secondary point to the parable as well, namely that we can also be the gardener, not just the fig tree. That God not only wants to nourish you, but He wants you to become part of his plan to nourish others. Proverbs 10, verse 21 says, The lips of the righteous nourish many. 
Let me ask you, how is God using your lips these days? Your words these days? Is he using it to nourish those around you, to strengthen them, to build them up? Or is he using your lips, are you using your lips, to tear people down? God can use your lips, your words, to nourish those around you. Help them learn God's word. Pray with them. Encourage them. Instruct them. One of the most simple and profound ways is to simply name out and call how you see another person growing. I try to do this with my kids. Here's how I see God growing you. This is what I see God doing. Do you notice that as well? I try to do it with my friends. I try to do it with people that I meet. And you know what happens when I do this? For most people, when you call the good out that you see, how they are growing, you encourage them to keep growing, it has the effect of making them want to grow more. That's what it does to them. To pay special attention and to make certain that they keep on putting the right nutrition to allow for that God-designed and God-given growth to continue to happen in their life. God has a design and a desire for you and I to grow this year, but we have a role to play as well. God has good fruit waiting for you as you grow. Fruit to bless you and fruit from you to be a blessing to others around you as well. And as you grow, you experience life to the abundance, Jesus says. Not easy life, not a life without challenges, not a life without hardship, not a life without pain, not a life without suffering, but a good and abundant and fruitful life is waiting for you as you do your part to commit to God's plan to grow you in 2024. Let's pray. God, we ask even now that you would help us to grow. Let me ask you, using the four letters to help us reflect, how are you personally growing in Christ? What's your next step? If you've never given your life to Christ, I'm going to give you a moment to do that at the end of our time. For those of you who know Christ, what's one area that you want to humbly thank God for how He's helped you grow? You're different than you used to be. The things that used to control you don't control you in the same way they used to. So thank God for that. And then what's one area that you want to ask God to help you grow in this year? It's not so much a resolution as it is a prayer request to the Lord. The first thing I do when I want to grow in a certain area is I pray about that area. And then I study God's Word to see what the Bible has to say and teach me about about that area of life. So what's your next step? How is God inviting you to grow? Or how about that R word, reproduction? Who who are you discipling? If you are a Christian, hear me. If you are a Christian, it is not presumptuous for you to make disciples. It's obedient. There are people you know who don't know Christ because they're waiting on you to invite them to learn about Jesus with you. There are Christians you know who could benefit from you helping them grow more mature in Christ. Who is that? Who are you discipling? And who, who's discipling you? You might need to go to someone and say, I see a quality in your life 
that I want in my life? Could you help me know how to grow in that area like you've grown? Or how about that letter E, excretion? What do you need to confess and remove from your life? It could be a sin that you need to repent of. It could be something that's not so much a sin, but maybe it's a distraction. Maybe you need to spend less time on on the web so you can spend more time in God's Word, less time on socials so you can create more time to serve. It could be something good and necessary that you remove for a set period of time, like fasting from food, to seek to pray and to grow in Christ. What is it that you need to remove from your life in order for fresh growth that God has in store for you to come? And then nutrition. Think about your life for a moment. What do you feed your heart and mind and soul with? I want to encourage you, church, be in God's Word every day. Focus on what is good and right and true and noble. Become a person committed to nourishing the lives of others with your lips, speaking words, pointing them to Jesus, encouraging them and building them up. Next week, we're going to talk about God's plan to grow us up into full maturity in Christ. But if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. You can just simply say, God, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I turn from my sin. Forgive me of my sin because of what Jesus has done on the cross, paying for it and his life and death and resurrection. Don't just give me a second chance. Give me a second birth. Make me new. Save me. And fill me with your Holy Spirit that I might desire to know you and follow you all the days of my life, that I might abide in you and I might bear the good fruit, that I might grow in the ways that you have designed for me to grow this year and forever. If you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, your next step is to be baptized. And I want to welcome you into the family of God. And so, Lord, I pray for each person, those online, Lord, those on the north side of the street, those that are here, on the south side of the street, I ask God now that you would help us grow this year as we abide in you and your love and your word together in Jesus' name. Amen.